Welcome to the NARPM Podcast, where we bring you the most in-depth look into the property management industry. We discuss hot topics with property managers, vendors, and those that support the property management industry. The National Association of Residential Property Managers is the recognized leader in property management. Our host is Pete Newbig, co-founder of Empire Industries Property Management and co-founder and CEO of VPM Solutions, where property management meets global talent. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are that of the host and are not necessarily those of NARPM. Now, here's your host, Pete Newbig. Welcome to the Narpen Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. I am your host, Pete Newbig, and we have a great show today. You're in for a treat. We're going to interview Jordan Muela, CEO of Lead Simple. Jordan is also the host of the Profitable Property Management Podcast and the co-founder of Profit Coach. Profit Coach authored the Narpen Accounting Standards. Jordan speaks regularly on topics of sales, marketing, entrepreneurship, and when he's not working, he can be found running around town with his wife, Sarah, and their three daughters. We're going to be talking to Jordan a lot about Lead Simple and how it does a lot of automation. And that made me think, I was actually having lunch the other day with a friend of mine here locally in, in the Houston area. And uh, as we're talking, he was telling me that he still goes and meets his owner clients at all the properties before he brings them on board. And that brings me to my hot topic of the day. So... I just giggled and laughed because we had stopped doing this at Empire a long time ago before we even sold. And, you know, he's got a smaller firm. And so it made me think, okay, so meeting prospective clients at a property, do you guys do that? Now, smaller firms may say, yeah, I do that. And, and you know, I, I definitely do that. And when we were smaller, we did the same thing. And there's positives to that, right? The positive is that as you complete the walkthrough, you are positioning the owner on any upgrades or maintenance that needs to be done to the uh, to, uh, needs to be done to the property, and you can also determine upfront if it's a property that fits your qualifications, right? If you're going to actually take that property, right? So if you walk in a property and it's a four unit fourplex and it's a class D and you don't take that, you're not obviously you're going to know as soon as you get there that you're not going to take that that property. And of course, by doing this, it, it's easier on the onboarding, right? So the team is taking a property they know they're going to take. There's maintenance is going to get done, and your resident once once they move in, they have a better experience, and there's less work orders upon a move in. So there's not a lot of time wasted on the back end. The negative of this, of course, is all the time wasted on the front end and the windshield time. And there's no guarantee that you get that business. So you yourself could be running around ragged or you, if you have a BDM, they can literally be running around and driving from, uh, from property to property to do a presentation. And of course, potentially missing lots of other, you know, leads that, that need attention. So when my business partner, Steve wanted to move to not meeting clients, I was very resistant at first. I'm like, what do you mean? We're not going to go to the property. It doesn't make any sense. But then we started doing the breakdown and the breakdown was, you know, okay, here's the amount of time that we spend driving from, from property to property. Here's the potential amount of leads that we're missing out. And so how do we make it work? So what we, the main thing I was worried about was would it reduce our conversion rate? Because we're not meeting somebody at the property, would it reduce the conversion rate? And we actually found out that it did not reduce the conversion rate, conversion rate, and we were able to meet with more 
potential clients, I use the word meet in quotes here, because uh, now we're not missing leads as we're driving to the property or having a meeting with the person at the property. We used Google Earth or we used a, you know, looked at the MLS if the property was pre-listed uh, ahead of time to see if it's a property that we wanted. And we made sure that we created the qualifications. These are the qualifications that we're going to make sure these are properties are a go. These qualifications mean the properties are no go. And then we had the gray area in between. And what we found was there were times when we when we did waste time on the back end. There were times when properties get through that we weren't really wanted to manage. There were times when residents moved into the property and, and all of the, the work that we you know, when that was not done that we had, that we had hoped the, the property owner would do. And of course, we get a lot of work orders, but that paled in comparison to the amount of time and effort that we were spending on the front end. So that's my hot topic of the day. We'll be right back after these commercials and I'll get a great interview with Jordan up next. Thanks. Scaling your business means juggling many moving parts, leaving you wondering how to manage it all. How can you keep your eye on growth and streamline your operations? At RentBridge, we've created the Property Management Operating System, an ecosystem for property management marketing and process automation, where you can view and take action on the most important aspects of your operations, from sales and new owner onboarding to leasing, collections, renewals, and more. By bringing operations and marketing under one platform, you can have end-to-end -end visibility of your owners, tenants, and vendors from the first moment they interact with you, allowing you to add more doors with less effort and scale a truly profitable property management business. To learn more, visit rentbridgegroup.com today. Did you know that most tenants struggle to come up with a large sum of money needed to move into their new rental home? Let Renters Insurance Solutions help you solve this problem by giving tenants another option for security deposits. Property managers can make up to $200 per door annually with our programs. Learn more at our website, yourris.com. That's Y-O-U-R-R-I-S.com. Renters Insurance Solutions, your experts in property management and insurance. All right, welcome back, everybody, and thank you for joining us on the NARPM Radio. I have my my good buddy and thought leader Jordan Wella with us. So Jordan, thanks for thanks for spending some time with us. Pete, happy to be here, man. So Jordan, you've been supporting NARPM and the property management industry for over eight years. For those of you that do not know you, tell us a little bit about how you got started and the ways that you now support NARPM and the industry. Yeah, well, you know, I love NARPM. Glad to be involved with it. I got my start way back, actually, on the HOA management side of the industry and from there got into lead generation originally for single family residential property managers, then pivoted into CRM. And right now my company lead simple provides workflow technology to organize and streamline your processes and operations. And along the way, I've been able to start some other companies like profit coach and rent scale as well. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah. And you were one of the originators of the NARPM accounting standards, if I'm not mistaken. That's, that's true. Yeah, that was one of the privileges of getting to be in the industry was that project and kind of see how that's proliferated. So Jordan, you're a thought leader in this space. What do you think the economy looks like in the near future? And how is it going to affect the property management and housing industry? 
Hmm. That's a great question. First, it's just good to remind everybody that nobody knows. So I have no, no clue, but the things that I see broadly are that now that our policy of zero interest rates has evaporated, we could be in very new territory and new ground where the default assumption that the markets are going to go up and everything is going to go up could get called into question. I don't know what's going to happen one way or the other. What I do think is practical right now is to take hold of the promise and the belief that this industry is counter cyclical. That's been the idea for years and years. And we're seeing the beginnings of that reality get to brought to bear in the market. I'm seeing a lot of enthusiasm from local operators that are just getting more doors coming their way. Folks that are trying to list, trying to sell, and they're not able to do it. So what do they do? They call a local PM and that PM is now the beneficiary of one more property under management. Now's the time to lean in. Now's the opportunity. The market is shifting and finally in a good way. The sell-off is done. Good times are coming. So my big picture thought here is that now is the time to staff up for growth, to lean into market sales marketing, and to really take advantage of this next multi-year bull market that I that I can't can't promise, can't warrant, can't guarantee, but I'm pretty optimistic to see come to fruition. So you're talking a lot about those landlords, the reluctant landlord. So do you see a lot of growth in reluctant landlord? Do you think that investors though, because now that interest rates are going up and the funny thing is going up, they're like six, 7%. I remember buying stuff at 2000, in 2000 at like seven, 8%. Like it was normal. That was a great rate. Now it's like a terrible rate. Do you still see that we'll be growing our businesses through investors? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that the investors that went out over their skis are going to have to refi. There, there could definitely be some carnage there. The toleration of, of compressed yields can't go on forever. But I think there's a lot of folks that were able to buy and get in at a great rate, and they're going to be happy to hold. Do they expand their portfolios? Maybe they're maybe that they're a little more reticent to do that. But I think there's countervailing factors, and one of those is the am- impact of consolidation in this space. We saw some pretty voracious consolidation for some time, and a lot of that was built on the back of freely available funding. As the funding environment has worsened, as valuations across the board, particularly in tech, have got cut in in half or worse, but let's say got cut in half on average, I think that's going to take a lot of steam out of the sales of aggregators, and that's also going to make it more fertile ground for the independent residential property manager who I just like deeply am, am rooting for and believe in. So if I hear you right, you think that there's going to be less consolidation in 2023 because there's less money available? Is that, that kind of that, a... that, that's That's correct. I mean, it's an inescapable conclusion that the consolidation was being driven by funding. It was, it was not a organic cash flow situation. You have some exceptions to the rule. Look at an Evernest and a Whitaker, for example. But again, that's the exception to the rule. A lot of the roll up that was happening was being driven by outside funding. And that funding is just, it's harder to come by and the terms are worse. So I do expect to see some slowing there and just some, some uh, thinning out as it were the existing funding that's already in play and has been deployed. We're going to get to see how that pans out and what the implications are. And so the next 12 to 18 months should be really clarifying. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. Uh, I know when I saw my company to mind, right, they were, they were buying, they were buying a whole bunch of, of property management firms and they were pivoting themselves or positioning themselves to be a prop tech company because they were getting 10 to 17 X 
valuation, even though they were kind of a property management firm wrapped up in tech, right? And so now we're seeing property tech valuations go down. Uh, we're seeing funding get cut. And so, right, it sounds like, and I know Mind is not buying anymore. They're trying to do organic growth and working with institutionals. Mm-hmm. And I know some others are still buying out there, but that funding may dry up and they may put a pause until, until valuations come back up. Yeah. Yeah. You know, funding will dry up. And then there's also just more scrutiny now that the mania and the hysteria of a market peak is gone. People are just more sober. They're more sober about all sorts of things, investments in general. They're more sober about stuff that was hot, like crypto, for example, right? Huge collapse. And there's kind of a hangover for folks that are looking at and thinking, what happened? How did I get so excited about that? How do I, how did I invest <laughs> all my money in that? So I think the corollary here is that the due diligence criteria will go up for folks that are um, thinking about being acquired. And I think that's healthy and appropriate. It's a rebalancing of the market. So when that due diligence scrutiny goes up, it will necessitate that valuations come down to earth. And as valuations come down to earth, people that raised money previously have to deal with things like down rounds, which is really tough. Dealing with the down round is really challenging to your business. And so I think those are headwinds that are not necessarily insurmountable, but that it will add a bit of friction in the M&A sector going forward. If I'm a small uh, mom and pop firm listening to this and I was thinking about selling, did I miss the boat? Do you think I'm going to get the same valuation for my business this, next year as I am for this year? Or do, you, do I need to hold? What, what, are you, what are your thoughts on that? Do you, as these guys, are these guys going to need to buy at a deeper discount? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, my thought there is that the fundamentals of changing your, of selling you, whether or not to sell your business haven't changed. If your business is not profitable and you can get a one times revenue multiple, that is amazing. That's a huge blessing of our industry. And it's a testimony to the degree to which the market values recurring revenue, because if you're at 1% revenue and you're selling it at, at 1% profit and you're selling at a one times revenue multiple, then the implied EBITDA multiple is insane. If by contrast, your business is stable and profitable, it's the same situation that it's always been, which is to say that it's really, really difficult to find a mathematically positive outcome associated with selling. Almost always, if you have a profitable, stable business, the answer is simply to hold on, financially speaking. And there's other considerations around maybe I'm sick of doing this, maybe I want to retire, maybe I want to get out. But if you have a profitable, stable business, it's incredibly challenging to get a multiple that outstrips the 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 financial potential of just holding on, even if you know the service quality declines a bit. It's a cash flow as opposed to a cash pile. And generally speaking, cash flows win. So if I'm a property manager firm and I'm not looking to sell I see that there's opportunity for some growth, but in your opinion, what is the best way for, for a PM firm to stay, become, or increase their profitability? Yeah, well, I think first it, it involves just wrapping your head around the basic math of it, getting familiar with industry standards and norms, go look at the North accounting standards and the benchmarks there. You can compare easily, for example, what your top line revenue is on a per door basis. The reason that revenue 
per unit was developed is because it allows for a really apples to apples comparison across other operators and other markets. And the same thing with your profit per unit. Your profit per unit is the driver you should be able to wrap your head around and to understand for any given program, for any given fee, how much is it going to increase my profit per unit? And what is the concomitant over administrative overhead that comes along with it? Not all fees are created equal. Some are simply more difficult to track and to place labor behind to actually collect on. But if you've done the basic math around revenue optimization, fee maxing, whatever you want to call it, then obviously the next thing to tackle is around your cost structure and making sure that you're employing the highest quality, most capable labor at the most competitive price. And we've seen that that really does involve looking at additional labor markets for at least a subset of your tasks. So working with a vendor like VPM solutions or you know another vendor in the category that's able to connect you with really talented people in other labor markets is just an inescapable and obvious conclusion for somebody that's looking to, to drive underlying profit. Those are the two big things beyond that, paying attention to your churn. A lot of folks felt disempowered with churn over the last, let's say 24 months, particularly with the heavy sales market. What can I do? The macro headwinds are against me. And now hopefully those wins are at you at your back. In either case, churn is a really big driver of long-term customer lifetime values. And because of that, it is something to, to work around and to have strategies to try to, to back up. One thing you didn't mention that I'm a big fan of, and that's why I love having you on here, is automation. And I know you're, mm-hmm. you're kind of like, well, I have lead simple, but let's talk about how automation really helps your business. And it doesn't have to yeah. be, it doesn't have to be lead simple, which, but, but it's a great, sure. it's a great solution, but just talk about like, even where would you start? Right. So I want to start automating my business. How, how would you go about that? And then talk a little bit about how lead simple helps with that. Well, I'd like to hear some of your input on this too. Cause I know I've seen you go down an automation path. My broad thoughts here are that automation is the last thing that you do. The very first thing that you do is really deeply understand your business have a vision for the kind of quality of service that you're trying to deliver, have a, a vision for how you want to see work flow through the organization. It's so easy to get lost in one-off tasks and to lose sight of architecting and engineering how each piece of work flows through the organization. And we're talking flow charts. We're talking roles. So rather than people thinking about what role do I, is this person in? What do I have them doing? And what are the responsibilities associated with that role? And if you have the mental bandwidth and, and will to architect, to describe, to flow chart out all of that work and get clear at that level, then it's way easier to plug it into a piece of software. And when you do take that last step of plugging it into software, what you get is visibility, accountability, and some level of automation and efficiency. But let's just talk about the visibility and the accountability. Most business owners are in a position where when they ask if so-and-so did such and such, they're hoping for a good answer. They want to trust their team. (laughs) But at the end of the day, that's all they got. They can't really know with certainty because there is no way to There's audit no whether or not the work. Yep. There's no reporting. whether or not the work did or did or didn't get done. Exactly. There is no. There's no reporting. There's no task completion history of individual tasks or calls being completed or emails being sent. So having a unified view of reporting is a big deal, and it allows you to have 
a different quality of conversation with your team member that's not authoritarian. It's not driven by micromanagement. It's that you want to help people reduce the errors in their role by giving them a really clear set of responsibilities and the best tools to get the job done and the support to back them up if they did miss something, assuming that they want to do a great job. And on top of that, if you can have some emails or, or texts or physical letters sent out automatically, trigger it off of uh, a sequence change uh, because you have a given owner in a certain, let's say, we're doing a unit turn. You know that every time that unit gets ready to go back on the market, there's a certain email that you want to send out to your owner. Those are the examples of the sort of thing that clearly and obviously some level of automation could be applied to. That's the opportunity I see. But Pete, I know you went down this path using some other tech vendors back in the day. Tell me a little bit about your experience with Empire. I did. I was an early adopter. I was doing this before Lead Simple was a, was a product. And I'm really glad to see that the technology has caught up the industry. You hit on two things that I think most people skip over. And the first one was org structure, the organizational structure. I'll tell you a story. So early on, I, I, I was one of the first people to join, to jump on the property meld bandwagon. I met Ray and the property meld team and I'm like, I gotta have this. Good dude. Great company, good dude. I love him, big advocate. But when I implemented property meld, I didn't have the right structure in place for my maintenance team. And what happened was by having this automation, it actually created even more challenges, meaning more upset clients. Uh, and it's like, if you have, you know, what is it? If you have bad in bad data in, you get bad data out, right? There's an old saying about that. Well, if, if you have no structure and you, and you have all this stuff, it just happens faster. And then more people get it notified and there's no structure behind it. And you don't have the right, the right org chart. What happened with us was we got just angry clients even quicker. And so I had to like pause the property meld. So the, 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 the aha I had was the technology is great, but it doesn't solve it. You have to write, you have to make sure that you have the right structure in place to, to make sure that you solve the challenge. And then technology could be a, a gift. Mm. The second thing you mentioned, mm. which I think a lot of people hate to do so they don't do it and they try to take a shortcut is to document the process it's so simple just hey just document your process right and let's be let's be honest most business owners are visionaries not integrators i happen to be an integrator if you're down to eos you know i'm like i, I love like i love creating process flows that's like my unique ability. Like I'm like, hey, when, when I'm the guy with the marker and I'm drawing the boxes and I'm doing all that good stuff. But most business owners aren't that way. Matter of fact, Steve Rosenberg, my business partner, as soon as I started creating a process flow, his eyes would glaze over, right? I, I'd like, I'll wake him up in 30 minutes. Like let's wake him up here in 30 minutes when we have a process built out. So important though, to create your process flow because again, the, now that the technology is becoming available, whether you're using HubSpot, Lead Simple, Monday, whatever it is, that is just going to push bad data through if you if you don't have if you don't have any good data, right? If you, if you don't have a good process, it's going to pass it on through, and you're not going to be able to build the, the the system the way you want it built. So I think those two things, and that's a lot of work up front, by the way, right? And you don't like you don't really gain a lot from it, right? Like creating the right structure. It's a lot of work, but it's like, oh, you don't make a bunch of money from it, right? You don't get a lot more, oh, wow, we're, we're, we're now we're so more efficient. It's just kind of the building block. And then documenting your process 
it, you don't make, oh, it's like, oh, now we document our process. We're so much more efficient. Now, you will find inefficiencies even when you document the process. But it's when you implement the, the lead simples of the world and you implement some, some automation, whether it's using your, soft, your, using your property manager software to, to, to throw off a task or using some other type of so- software to, to you know, send, send out tasks to, to the right people. But th- those two things you kind of hit on, but they're, man, they are so important. It is powerful and it's a big opportunity for folks to go in clear-eyed. First, just thinking about how do I want to run this business? Policy, for example, is always going to trump process. Mm -hmm. Your policies are the broad framework for how you run your business. You have bad policies, the great processes aren't going to make up for it. Or if you don't have a policy. If you have none whatsoever. Sure. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I create the policy based on how I feel that day, right? (laughs) Exactly. And which is confusing to your staff because if you're doing that, then why shouldn't they be able to do that? And then you're upset that they did that. And that's just kind of a vicious loop. So investing in the thinking and the frameworks and the models on the front side is worthwhile. And if you've done that, then you were in a disproportionately strong position to benefit from codifying that through process and through technology. If you haven't done that work, I mean, it's, it's really, it is challenging to get benefit from process. hundred percent, hundred percent. Well, the other, the other piece that I liked, and I'm going to talk a little bit about this. It's not super automation, but a ticketing system, you know, at empire, we ran our whole business through email. And, and as I talk to more property managers out there, they're doing the same thing, right? Like the property manager, like has, you know, thousands of emails and that they have to go search and, and they use emails as their tickets, right? They wait for the email to bing and then they do their work, right? Very reactionary type solution. However, if that property manager goes on vacation, goes away or leaves, now you are stuck with trying to figure out wh- what are they working on and you have to like go through all their email. When we create a ticketing system, it changed our, it changed our business for, for the better. Right, because now I can, you talked about reporting, I can see how many tickets have been created, how many tickets are open, who has the most tickets. Now when somebody tells me, hey man, I'm underwater, I can actually see it. They're underwater because they have, you know, 600 tickets that came in this last week or, or whatever it is. Now, I know one of the things that you're working on with, with Lead Simple and moving forward is some kind of shared inbox that, that kind of mimics a ticketing system. Can you tell a little, a little bit about why you decided that? It's very similar to what I just said. And then, like, what does that look like? Yeah, absolutely. So this is the cutting edge tech for us that we're excited about. And that what this allows people to do is to go from hidden, closed off, siloed inboxes assigned to individuals and to said instead to have leasing at management.com and to manage out of that. So you have visibility on your team's performance. It's really easy for emails to get sat on and just hidden and you don't know. And when you do know, it's because somebody complained and brought it to your attention. And at that point, you're on defense rather than offense. Mm. Being able to have a unified inbox allows multiple people to jump in, to have visibility. If somebody goes on vacation, other people can jump in. It's, it's proper collaboration, and particularly if you're operating in a departmental paradigm, it becomes fairly obvious when you really look at it. And so the reason we got into it is because it's a strong complement to the other pieces of what Lead Simple does, which is to provide a comprehensive CRM as well as workflow. When you're able to receive an email, to have context of the status and stage that the person that the email was sent to or from is in, 
and then to trigger the next activity based on that, that can lead to some really interesting possibilities of what you can build in terms of automation. But even absent automation, it provides you a comprehensive level of context around each momentary communication. And we just believe that if you give the right people, the smart people in your company, the context that they need, they're going to thrive and they're going to do good work. But it's really easy for that context to get lost. I'm going to pivot here real quick. I'm going to put you on the spot. So hit, hit me. you started numerous companies mm-hmm. and you've grown them. What is one quality in the, the team when you hire a team? What's one quality you look for? Or is there one? Like, mm. how do you get great team? Mm. And I know I came out That's of a, left field and we didn't talk about it in the green room. And I apologize for putting you on the spot. But. No, it's great. I like being put on the spot. Keep doing it. The thing that comes to mind for me, I'm looking for, I'm looking for ambition, Pete. Mm. I'm looking for folks that want to go somewhere. And it's clear to me that they are ambitious. Not I'm gonna be ambitious for them. Not I'm gonna motivate them. Do Am I responsible for giving them a vision, a problem worthy of engaging in meaningful work to do? Yes, but I'm not here to motivate people. If you're not motivated, hey, it is what it is. I understand, God bless. But if you are motivated, wow, we can do some serious damage. Let's talk about what we could do. Let's talk about where you could go. Let's talk about the resume and the skills you can build that you will walk away with. You won't be here forever. And when you leave this organization, aside from the pay that you took along the way, I want to see a life-changing outcome for each and every team member based on the skills and abilities that they've accrued during their tenure here, the exploits that are listed on their resume. And so I want to find people that I think have a high likelihood and preponderance for achieving that. And the tell is simply, how do they talk about their past? How do they talk about the problems that they've interacted with? And how do they talk about why they want to do here based in in terms of what do they want to build? What do they want to accomplish? Those are some tells for me. Ambition is definitely at the top of the list and equal with that, if not even more important, are folks that want to be, want to be real, want to be candid, want to have serious, meaningful conversations that require some level of vulnerability to bring their whole self to work and to work with other people that are doing the same, knowing that, We're a family, not a sports team. That's a philosophical paradigm that I choose to embrace. So yes, there's a performance-based piece here. Yes, we're going to be accountable. And even in the context of that environment, we can have some really deep, meaningful connection. And that can be something that transcends a paycheck. There can be some real joy in that connection for folks that are willing to open themselves up in that way while committing to doing some really awesome stuff with another group of A players. What would you say to a, an owner or a founder that says, uh, can somebody be too ambitious? Like, mm. like, uh, like, I'm worried like that dude, they're too ambitious and then they're going to basically want to own the company or run the company. What do you, is there, is there a such thing as a too ambitious or do you actually like that and you just have to harness that energy? You know, I wouldn't say there's too ambitious. There can be, there can be folks that are delusional. There can be folks that are not interested in having the the outcomes that they receive be proportionate with the results that they create. Pete, fascinating experience for me over the last 24 months was modifying someone's comp model. There was a reason, I don't need to get into it, but modifying somebody's comp model that was a pretty strong performer and removing the, the performance piece. 
-hmm. Any guesses as to what happened to performance once the performance increased dramatically? Increased dramatically. (laughs) So after I removed the incentive pay, the performance went through the floor. Oh, 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 you went the opposite. Okay. Yeah. yeah I thought you yeah, were trying well, to, I thought you were trying to give me one of those brain, where brain, brain puzzle. Yeah. yeah. No, 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 it actually was what right. it was, huh? You, you got rid of performance yeah. and they went down they went under. Fairly straightforward. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so the reason that feels relevant here is as I think about what's going to motivate people, there's always going to be compensation baked in. People are always going to want some level of upside and some level of, of ownership, but it's not just about the comp. It's about really telling people candidly and sincerely, I'm here to make you successful. And what that means is that when you leave here, you should be able to earn more money and have more opportunities available to you than when you first showed up here. And I'm invested in committing and making that happen. Now, there's always going to be some folks that want to advance faster than the, than the results they've produced seem to merit. And you can't always solve that. Sometimes you have to have hard conversations there. But in general, it's about making sure that the company is growing fast enough to keep the people that are growing with it motivated, stimulated, and to show them how they can grow. If, they, if an A player ever detects that it's a two-rung ladder, yeah, they're going to start to you know be be eyeing the exits, and so you got to calibrate the level of ambition with the level of growth that you want to sign up for and be personally on the hook for materializing in collaboration with your team. Yeah, I've always heard the saying: "You get the people you deserve." Mm-hmm. Right. I know early on in my career, I didn't realize I deserved good people, and I mm-hmm. would almost like hire people that were not smarter than me on, on almost mm-hmm. on purpose, right? Because I yeah. could, I didn't, not because I have a huge ego, which I do, but not, that wasn't the reason. The, the reason was because I didn't think I could afford, or I didn't think the company was good enough to get a super high quality person. And so if you're out there and you're listening to this, you can get A players, you can get people that are smarter than you, that are motivated just as, just as much as you are, and that want to help you build your company. You just have to believe that you can, that, that your company deserves it and that you can afford them. Yeah. And it's the A player for the role for the, your hiring, the, an A player for a leasing role. It's going to look, going to look different than an A player for a GM role. And you just got to make sure that you can properly motivate people, which requires you to really understand what they want. And that takes work. That takes conversation. What, what really motivates this person and how do I make sure that I'm, I'm delivering that? And Jordan, I could talk to you all day about this. I, I, I'm like, oh man, let's talk about the hiring process next. Cause right. That's all it goes down to, but we're up against it. We're going to take a quick commercial and then we're going to come back for the, the lightning round, get let's ready for the lightning round, buddy. We'll be right back after this, everybody. Create the best move-in experience for your resident or homeowner. Citizen Home Solutions is a utility concierge service designed to assist with services needing activation prior to moving into a new home. Our experienced team will help eliminate the stress of setting up services. No more calling a long list of service providers to get everything connected and ready for move-in day. Your client will value the white glove service provided on your behalf. True, Citizen Home Solutions assist with utilities, but more importantly, we create an experience that your client will appreciate and love. Our service is free and offers you a revenue share program. Want to know more? Visit pmcpartner.com. 
Have you ever considered hiring a property management virtual assistant, but didn't know where to start? Or have you tried hiring a virtual assistant, but you weren't satisfied with the number of qualified applicants? If so, VPM Solutions is here to help. VPM is the world's first virtual talent marketplace dedicated specifically to property management and real estate. We have thousands of talented virtual assistants ready to work for you, including assistance for accounting, leasing, maintenance coordination, rent collections, and much more. With VPM, you can post jobs, screen candidates, hire and pay your virtual assistants, all from within our state-of-the-art platform. VPM is the easy button for hiring and managing your virtual team. And the best part? VPM Solutions is 100% free to employers. That's right, free. No placement fees, no employer markups, and no hidden charges. With VPM, property managers get the talent they need while reducing costs and improving customer service. Visit vpmsolutions.com and create your free account today. PestShare, a pest control amenity for your resident benefits program, starting at just $5 per door. You can give your residents the pest control coverage they need. PestShare will even pay for the expensive infestations like bedbugs and cockroaches. End the debate over who pays for pest control, while PestShare turns an expense into added revenue. For more information, check out their website at pestshare.com forward slash property managers. All right, welcome back, everybody. We got Jordan Muella with Lead Simple in the hot seat for the, the lightning round. Jordan, I'm going to ask you a series of questions, just whatever comes to the top of your mind. If you do want to expand on it, great, but you can just answer and we move to the next question. All right, what is one thing that most people do not know about you? Mm. One thing that most people don't know about me is that I have never paid for a haircut. That's a weird factoid. <laughs> How Ever? many people have you met that have never paid for a haircut? I, I got to say, look, I haven't paid for one in about 15 years, but I've paid for haircuts. That's funny. What is one piece of advice you would give someone just starting out in business? Mm. Mm. Make sure that you make sure that you want to be in business. It's not about the money. If being in business is not its own reward in and of itself, then don't do it. There are much, much easier ways to make a buck. <laughs> if it was, if it, if it was, if it was that easy, everybody would do it, I guess. Right. Exactly. That's, a, that's a great piece exactly. of advice. Does pineapple belong on pizza? Uh, I'm going to say yes. I'm open-minded. Man, we were so getting along just so well. <laughs> what book are you currently reading or what is one that has impacted your business or your life that you could recommend? Well, at the top of my list would be a book called Outsiders about capital allocation. That's in my top five for sure. The business, the, the book that I'm reading right now that I really enjoyed is Death by Meeting by Oh, Patrick, Patrick Lencioni. Yeah. I'm a bit of a Patrick Lencioni junkie. Pretty much anything he puts out, I really enjoy. I love his writing style. I really do. Because I like stories. I love stories. And then he kind of gives you the textbook at the end of it. I, lo I like that. Yeah, right? 100%. You know, when I, when I started with Mind, I sent my CEO that book. Did you? I did. <laughs> nice. Because <laughs> nice. they had such terrible meetings. I'm like, a little sure, hint, you probably a little nudge, nudge. Yeah. Wink, wink. <laughs> what comic book character do you most associate with? Black Adam. Ooh, all right. Black Adam. 
What is one challenge you are currently facing in your business? Hmm. One current challenge for me. Hmm. I think the first thing that comes to mind is around team building, specifically in the sense of driving a high degree of connection in a remote environment. I believe in remote. I'm committed to it and I'm happy about it. However, there are times where I visit some of my in-office brethren and I, I, I do see some casual connections that are light, ephemeral, just in passing that can create a bond that I don't, I don't know that we've fully recreated in a remote environment. So nailing that is definitely a big focus for us in 2023. So well, I heard about this one company that did everything remote. And they didn't have any office space or very little office space. So they saved tons of money every year on office space. So what they did is they had a retreat once a year, invited everybody in the company, and they would all get together for like a week once a year, and they would start building relationships in, in, in that way. So maybe something that, that you guys could do. We're, we're planning ours in April, the Lead Simple Annual Retreat. There in, you in go. Austin in April. There you so, go. Yeah, you must have read, it must have been it. in that We're on the same wavelength. Must have been in that book. All right. What was your first job? My first job. My guess was... is that my guess, let me guess. Let me guess is that you decided that you're going to create some land, like so you're going to cut lawns, but instead of you doing it, you went out and found a bunch of classmates <laughs> that cut lawns and you took a cut. I'm just guessing. Let me, let me hear it. What was your first job? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's funny. That, that was, you know, definitely one of the business <laughs> plans, but that that's more of a hustle, right? Like the job job was actually just being the landscaper on a crew. I had my, we had a family friend that ran a big landscaping crew and just working on a crew oh, you did? sweating in really? a Texas summer, man, that was good for me. I bet. bet you were lean and mean. Absolutely. What is your ideal vacation? Being on the beach, all-inclusive resort, and completely checked out. No phone, no email, nice book in hand. Nice. Other than the Narpum podcast, what is a podcast you recommend? Ooh, I'm going to have to say Peter Lohman's podcast, Owner Occupied. I've been crushing a couple episodes of that lately and really like it. All right. And then also, you have a podcast. Why don't you throw that one I out there? I do profitable property management. We're publishing episodes weekly. Nice. Which do you prefer dogs or cats? Oh, dogs, 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 dog guy. All right. If somebody listened to this episode and they wanted to reach out to you, what's the best way they can connect with you? Best way to reach out is to shoot me an email, Jordan at leadsimple.com. I'm always happy to talk shop and I'm grateful for the work you're doing here and for uh, this organization, NARPM, that we both get to mutually support and be a part of. And if you do want to join NARPM, go to narpm.org, narpm.org, or give them a call at 800-782-3452. And if you are looking to reduce costs and don't, don't have the money for automation yet and you want to hire some remote team, go to vpmsolutions.com or shoot me an email at pete at vpmsolutions.com. Thanks, Jordan, for being here. Thanks, everybody. This has been a production of the National Association of Residential Property Managers, the recognized leader in property management, along with your host,
Pete Newbig, CEO of VPM Solutions, where property management meets global talent. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are that of the host and are not necessarily those of NARPM. If you have a hot topic you'd like discussed on the podcast, please email us at radio at narpum.org.